Hi, I'm Liddy Pickens. And I'm Mark Sayers. And we're here to tell you about a new podcast called The Living Temple, produced by Red Church. It's a conversation between us. It's for people who are hungry for a deeper walk with God. For people who want to follow Christ in real life. And you can find it now on iTunes or Stitcher. What is Stitcher? I don't know. I had to say it because it went yeah, asked us. They really do. We'll find out. See you soon. You're listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. We are week five of our series. There's been so much covered and I get to come in and just, you know, preach and use kind of all the information prior to me, which is a bit of a delight as well. Um, Who's been here for most of the series? Hands up. Majority of you, if you haven't, I really encourage you to go back. As I said, we've covered a lot, and actually it's really worth hearing them um, together. Let me just refresh your memory of what we have actually done. So we had Sarah Deutscher give us the intro to this series. She talked about the Holy Spirit, the different experiences we've had, and kind of where we were headed. And I don't know about you, but it made me want to know more. I was like, oh, yeah, we're just getting started. Um, and then the week after, we had Joe Evans, who is actually part of our Outer East congregation, come and speak. And she talked about expecting more. And she also spoke about disappointment, which I think was really important to cover um, because I feel like there's many people here who may have experienced that. So really good to be honest about that wrestle. The third week, we had Sarah again, which was great. And she spoke about spiritual gifts. All the fun stuff, right? All the things that you've heard about or that you've walked in yourself or you've witnessed. We talked about that in the third week. And then last week, we had Bjorn share on blockages. And it was a tough sermon, but a really good one. But I think what was really significant about last week was his testimony and his vulnerability and what that actually opened up for us. It's really incredible to see that when one person is vulnerable, how actually that gives you courage to be vulnerable yourself. And he just talked about his experience over these last few weeks and him opening up to what Holy Spirit wants to do and um, the way that Holy Spirit led him in that. And it's a really simple story, but also incredibly powerful because it's Holy Spirit in him and through him. So again, if you haven't listened to them, please go ahead and do that. Um, they're great to kind of follow on in this series. Um, but yeah, great teaching. It's been good. But I will admit, probably some of my favorite elements of our services have been the videos. Um, I really love hearing stories. We all connect with stories. Um, and it's been really significant to hear what's happening throughout our different congregations. On Tuesdays, we get to meet as a teaching team and we get to hear all these things. But it's been a real privilege to sit with you guys and share that, to be like, actually, look what's going on. I love that we've had two people from our congregation as well sharing that. Again, let me refresh your memory. Started with Sarah Hawkins. If you remember the first week, she's from Outer East and the way she spoke about Holy Spirit was so lovely and so warm, and again, it made you want more. And then we had Erin Scurry share with us and be really honest about actually the struggles and disappointments that have happened over her life with what it looks like to experience Holy Spirit. Then we had Nate, who's also here tonight, share about his hunger to know more of Holy Spirit, that there's never actually been an opportunity for him to just do that. And last week, we had Jenny Nichols, who shared about the reality of what it's like to follow Holy Spirit and into some pretty dark places within herself, within the people around her. 
Yeah, really powerful. And then this week we had Sam, beautiful Sam. It's so funny when he talks about the fact that only a few years ago he wasn't really walking in the Spirit because now you see it all over him. He has words from the Spirit. He prays in that way. It's incredible. And it's so cool to sit here and be like, oh, my gosh, it's because you opened up because of what Holy Spirit has done. So it's fast to say there's been a lot going on. And we've had a lot of stories, but I just want to pause and ask you, what is your story with Holy Spirit? What's he been doing over these last few weeks? Because it's really important to stop and acknowledge that he's actually active and he moves in each of our lives, not just in us as a church. And it's good to reflect on that. It's also good to share it with others, to talk about it. Before I jump into more of talking about Holy Spirit, I really just want to ask him to speak to us. So I'm going to pray and do that. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that you were here before us. We thank you that you remain with us. And I just really pray right now as I speak that I would be sensitive to you. That as we sit and listen, that we would be sensitive to you. May you speak to our hearts. May you catch our attention, catch our thoughts. May you speak truth over each person in this room. May we see you time and again in our lives. May we hear you clearly this evening, Holy Spirit. Speak to us, for we are listening. And may you have your way tonight. Amen. So I encourage you, as I'm speaking, to just remain open to what Holy Spirit might be saying to you. I love talking about Holy Spirit. I love the fact that he is also a storyteller. He actually teaches about Jesus all the time. He keeps telling us about him, showing us to him. It's one of his favorite things to do. I also love that when you talk about Holy Spirit, you pretty much are always going to run into Father and Jesus because they come together. It's the Trinity, right? It's one God but three different beings. So when we talk about Holy Spirit, we'll encounter Father and we encounter Jesus. And I love that because Holy Spirit is the one who animates us and brings things to life. He's like the heartbeat within the Trinity. He draws us into that relationship between Father and Son. And he helps us understand that more and more. He invites us into relationship there. But how how does he take us there? Well, it's because of what Jesus has done that it's possible. Jesus came and took hold of humanity and he took us down into his death When he did that, he crucified the Adam in us, the humanity in us. He got rid of that. He cleansed us of that alienation we had from God and brings us back into relationship with God. And then he lifts us up in his resurrection and he gives us new life through Holy Spirit. But not only that, in his ascension, he takes us home to that very relationship with Father and Son. He takes us into that. That's what he talks, Jesus talks about in John 14. He says, because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. We're designed to be that close to him, to have a relationship like that with him. Is that what your relationship with Jesus feels like right now? Or was there a time that you remember it being that way, When you first met Jesus, what was that like for you? 
We were praying before the service, as we always do, and we had an opportunity to ask that question and kind of pray into that. And it was really incredible to hear. I was with a group of four people, even though this group was huge, just four stories, or three, including my own, um, of what it was like to meet Jesus. And some people talked about there being this sense of just relief, of, oh my gosh, I can just let everything go, finally. I don't have to hold this anymore. Others spoke about joy and peace that came after that. I know for me, there was this place of belonging all of a sudden. Yeah, actually, that's, this is where I belong. There's something about Jesus, right? When you meet him, you just want to spend time with him. You want to be next to him. You want to know more about him. You want him to never leave. I want to ask you, though, when was the last time you felt that and experienced that with Jesus? I also want to ask you if you want to experience that again. Is there a way back to that kind of relationship with Jesus and Father? And I want to say there is. When we ask Holy Spirit, that's what he delights in doing. It's like he's like, finally, you asked me. Let me in. Yeah, let me do it. Let's go. Simon Ponsonby, who wrote the book More, which is what we've based a lot of our teaching on and what's inspired this teaching, talks about the fact that sometimes when we meet Jesus in our faith, we think that that moment, that closeness has to just be then and then we just go on with our faith without it. We forfeit this deep relationship with spirit, but it's not meant to be that way. We are designed to have more and you can ask for that. That's what we've been talking about over these last five weeks. Let's not just talk about it, though. Let's dare to ask. Let's hope for it. Let's expect it. Let's believe it. And tonight, we're going to take some time to receive it. It's good. I love, didn't know that Bjorn was going to share the story that he did last week, but I love that it's such a beautiful representation of that very thing the way that God has spoken to him and been like, hey, I want, a, I want a deep relationship with you. I want to show you what it's like to live with Holy Spirit. Ask me, Bjorn, ask me. And he finally did. And he took the courage and the risk of doing that. And so tonight, that's what we're going to do. We're going to ask Holy Spirit to fill us. And what happens when you're filled with Holy Spirit? You are overwhelmed by the Father's love. It says in Romans 5.5 that God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's what happens when you invite Holy Spirit in. As I shared before, there's a sense of belonging in place as you're drawn into that relationship where you belong, where you've always meant to be. And you know what? Sometimes it'll come all at once. When you ask Holy Spirit, it'll be like this flooding of love. And other times, it's kind of this slow progression, this slow release of Holy Spirit over years and that relationship that grows and deepens. That's definitely been my experience. It's really about however the Spirit chooses to do that. I love the way that Jesus talks about the Spirit in John 3 when he says that he's like the wind and he comes and goes whenever he pleases. You can't capture him or box him in. He's greater than that. And do you know what? I love that about him. And I think we need that. That's what makes Christianity so exciting and so different from the other religions because the God we serve and belong to is a relational God. He's alive now. He's not an idol in the past. He's something that we can interact with and grow with. And Holy Spirit is a part of that. 
What happens when I talk about or say being filled with Holy Spirit? What happens in you? I'm not sure what kind of experiences you've had, what kind of imagery that might come to you, what might be evoked when I mention this. And I want to just acknowledge and be aware that there are many experiences in this room. I really like the way that Sarah talked about this in the first week um, when she put up a slide that had one end, it said Super Spiro, the other end, it said Enough. And I think a lot of us have experienced kind of those ends. There's a sense in which there's, sometimes there's this obsession with Holy Spirit and other times a complete rejection where it's like, nope, mm -mm, that's too out of control. We're going to just put you down, hide you down here. I'm going to go on with my faith. But actually, that's not what we've been talking about. What we have been talking about as a church and what the invitation is, is to have that balanced perspective of Holy Spirit where he is actually surprising that he works in different ways, that we're open to that, but also that we sit that alongside scripture and what we read of who he is, of his character, and align that with scripture and the fruit that it produces when we engage in Holy Spirit. That's what we're doing. We're not going to either end. We're open to the unexpected work of Holy Spirit, the surprising work of him, but we align that up in light of scripture and the fruit it produces. That's what we're engaging in as a church. And that's what we want to grow in. I want to grow in myself to learn how to keep in that line of word and spirit. The thing is, when you confess Jesus as Lord and Saviour, that's when you actually met and were filled with Holy Spirit. It says, so in Ephesians 1, 13 to 14, that when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. That's what's happened. When you declare Jesus as King and Lord, you received Holy Spirit, as it says in the word. Now, I just want to talk about another element that often comes up when we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's um, the phrase or the term baptized in the Spirit. Um, I'm sure many of you have heard it before. It is actually throughout the New Testament. It's actually not in the Old Testament. It's just in the New Testament. You find it in each of the Gospels and also in 1 Corinthians when Paul talks about it. Um, and it's important to cover this because I think there can be or has been some confusion around it. Um, if you want to know more, it's actually quite a meaty topic. It's really interesting. I spent some time reading, and it's great. It's good, but it's a lot. So I'm just going to do a little snippet, but if you want to find out more, you can read the book more. We actually have that available. Um, Simon does a really good job of covering it. But basically, um, this phrase, being baptised in the Spirit, is found in the Gospels, and it's actually when Jesus is baptising people. So it's John who says it, that someone who is coming will be able to baptise you in the Holy Spirit. I'm just baptising you in water. Brit's paraphrase. So what John was doing, he was doing a baptism of repentance. And it was much more like an intellectual thing. It was still within water, but it was like, okay, we're going to behave our way to repent. That's what we're doing. I'm going to baptize you in repentance. And he says, no, but when Jesus comes, he's going to baptize you in water, but also in the Holy Spirit. That's what baptism in the Spirit is. It's the same throughout each gospel, every time it's mentioned. When Paul mentions it, he's talking about the idea that when we are baptized in the Spirit, when we meet Jesus, we declare him as King and Lord and we receive Holy Spirit, that unites us as a people. That's what he's talking about. But it's always about Jesus. So when you're united as a people, you're the body of Christ. 
Prior to that, it's meeting Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's not this second thing that happens. It's actually you are filled with the Spirit when you meet Jesus. And then what has happened throughout history, different traditions have taken this phrase, baptized in the Spirit, to describe experiences people have after they've met Jesus or after they've been baptized in water. These moments where people are overcome by Holy Spirit and they've never experienced that before. It's like a flooding or a baptism or an overwhelming sense of Holy Spirit and they're just like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know this was real. That has been called a baptism in the Spirit by different traditions. And it's not a second filling. It's not you haven't had Holy Spirit, now you do. They're real encounters and they're true and they're good. But what we're talking about What we're claiming here is that when you meet Jesus, you're filled with Holy Spirit. And what this series and what we're asking for is more of him. More of him may look like a baptism in the Spirit for you. And you could call it that or something else. Is that making sense? Yeah. Great. Good. Because, yes, it's complex. So if you want to read more, I encourage you to jump into it. But just felt like it was important to talk about that. sometimes when we talk about Holy Spirit, there's a sense in which we feel a bit of a distance from him. I know I certainly used to feel that like quite a few years ago, but actually it's really interesting. I don't know if you realize, but you're already quite acquainted with Holy Spirit um, because he led you to Jesus. He's the one that showed you who Jesus was. He's the one that spoke to you about him and he's the one that keeps teaching you about him. You, You already know him. You already live with him. He's within you. It says in 1 Corinthians 12 that actually you can't declare Jesus as Lord without Holy Spirit. And Jesus talks about our relationship with him in John 14. He says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. We are designed to recognize Holy Spirit and to live with him. But what does Holy Spirit look like? How do we recognize him? And we have spent the last five weeks exploring that. There's so many scriptures about Holy Spirit, some that I've mentioned tonight and will continue to. But I think one of my favorite ways to recognize Holy Spirit is actually to look at the life of Jesus, but not just that, the way that he did ministry. So you read about in Luke 4, when he comes out of the wilderness, he's filled with Holy Spirit to do ministry. And one of my favorite stories of witnessing that is in John 4, when he meets the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Are you guys familiar with this story? Yeah. If you're not, you should totally read it. It's definitely a fave. But what is so incredible about this story is that this woman at the well doesn't just meet with Jesus, she meets with Father and Holy Spirit at the same time. Whether she realizes that or not is... Yeah, she may not. Anyway, she's sitting there meeting with Jesus. And you can imagine as Jesus is sitting across from her, the Holy Spirit whispers to him and he says, I want you to talk about her husband. And Jesus is like, all right. And he says to her, go and get your husband. And she says, oh, I don't have a husband. And then Holy Spirit says to Jesus, yeah, because she has five. Talk about that. And Jesus says, yeah, you're right, it's because you have five. 
Of course, the Samaritan woman is like, oh my goodness, who is this guy? He knows everything. What's going on? And as the conversation unfolds, you can see that Father is telling Holy Spirit to tell Jesus about this woman and about what's actually going on in her life. Holy Spirit wants to see freedom in her life. And so he's like, I want you to talk about what's actually bringing her pain, what's actually caused her to be at the well at this time of the day, isolated from her community and from her family. That's what is happening. And as the conversation goes on, you can see there's an uncovering of lies. You can see that there's been a bit of deception, and Jesus highlights that. He wants to bring freedom to her. And at the end of the conversation, he reveals the truth, just as Holy Spirit does with us. He says to her, I am the Christ you're waiting for. And it's really incredible to watch as Jesus does this with Holy Spirit, the way that this actually does bring freedom in her life. Because you read about her dropping her water jug and running into the city, into her country where people have been shaming her and rejecting her and she speaks about Jesus. And it's not something she has to think about doing. That experience is so real and so true in her life. She can't help but talk about it. The kingdom is exuding from her. She met with Jesus And Jesus showed her what was keeping her captive. And he didn't run from it. He wasn't afraid of seeing it. And he stayed with her and he also gave her a place. A place where she was seen and known. Something she was in desperate need of because of the amount of rejection she was feeling in her community. This is the same spirit that you and I have. And Jesus is desperate to do the same thing. It says in Romans 8 that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. This is what happens when we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. There's a sense in which he can't help but want to bring freedom to your life. And I love the way that Holy Spirit works, the way that he does that, the way that he knew about what was going on in this woman's life and told Jesus. It says in 1 Corinthians 2, 10 to 11, that the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. That same Spirit that knows who God is knows who you are and searches you. I've definitely experienced this over the years. I have one story to tell you from five or six years ago. I used to work at New Balance, and um, it's a running brand for those that don't know. And I was at the back stacking boxes. It's freezing out there. It's really boring work, just putting boxes out the back. Um, It's very quiet out there, and all of a sudden I felt Holy Spirit um, talking to me, and I saw an image. And I knew that it was Holy Spirit because, first of all, I was not thinking about this image or even about Holy Spirit. I was stacking boxes. And secondly, it's an image from when I was in kindergarten. And I said this this morning, I don't really remember what I did three weeks ago, let alone what happened to me in kinder. I know there are some people who have wonderful memories, but I was like, this is definitely not me. This is not a memory I've remembered from a while ago. Anyway, so the Holy Spirit highlighted this memory, and it was little Brit sitting in a sand pit playing with one of her friends at kinder. And this little boy said to me, or asked me, hey, what's your last name? I wasn't quite sure what he was asking, and so I said, my name's Brittany. And 
He's like, no, that's not your last name. I can't believe you don't know that. Immediately, I felt so much shame. And I decided and thought to myself, okay, I better not speak because when I do, I get it wrong. And there's something wrong with me. So don't talk and then people will not, they won't know. The Holy Spirit decided at that time, five or six years ago, that I was not meant to live under that lie anymore. And I was like, okay. I had spent my childhood and a lot of my teen years not talking because I believed I wasn't meant to or it was too much of a risk. I'm very thankful that Holy Spirit did that. And it's crazy to think that I can stand here now and talk to you all because of that. Same spirit in me, same spirit in you. He's doing the same things in you. He wants to expose the lies that you were never meant to carry or never meant to walk in. I love the way that Sam talks about it, that when we're created, we're perfect. And then the world kind of puts marks and scratches and bruises on us. And Holy Spirit says, no, let me bring life back to those places. As we've been going through this series, we've had many people sharing different images. Um, and you know it's Holy Spirit when they kind of all sound the same, but they're coming from completely different people. It's a really wonderful experience to keep receiving things to me like, have you guys been chatting? And realizing, no, they're from different congregations. They don't even know each other. And there's one image that I'd like to share with you of um, someone who was out in the garden and they had just made a beautiful garden bed. They were feeling pretty good about it. And then they noticed um, kind of at one end, there was a bit of a root kind of sticking out. And they hadn't noticed it prior to that. And they thought to themselves, okay, well, I better go over and have a look at what it is. And sure enough, it was a root, and they thought to themselves, okay, well, I've got to pull it out, because otherwise, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and this image aligns a lot with what Holy Spirit's been doing with many of us. So I'm going to jump back and forth. But there's this thing in which Holy Spirit's been showing us roots, and often we only see the top half of it, just a little bit of it. And he's like, I just want you to look at this part. That's what Jesus did with the Samaritan woman. I know what's gone in your past, but I just want you to look at this little bit because this is what I want to pull out and deal with. And so over this series, we've been seeing that happen in different people. And the thing is, when this person pulled out the root, of course, it came with this huge clump of roots and this whole system that actually would have completely robbed the garden bed of all its nutrients. And it needed to be taken out. Unfortunately, it meant that all the work that had just been done was undone. But as they did this, God spoke to them. And they just, and he said the importance of just removing these roots because as it takes away the nutrients, it's embedded in people's lives. And actually, the roots that we just see a little bit of, we don't realize the way that it's shaped and formed us and bled into other parts and stop us from walking in freedom. But the gift and the invitation is, is to look at the root at the top and to stay there. Again, as we've been going through this series, I've really sensed and heard from different people that God has been exposing these things. And often they're not things we want to look at. And like the Samaritan woman, when Jesus talks about her husband, she's like, I don't want to talk about it. Let's talk about worship. 
I'm going to deflect. She actually does that in the conversation. And you understand it. You don't want to talk about the things that have brought pain. But Jesus is like, no, come on, come back. We need to talk about this. And I want to encourage you to do the same. When Holy Spirit reveals something in you, don't run from it. Even if shame may come up, it's only momentary because God actually wants to pull that all out, and it's good. So stick with it. Just as Jesus stayed with her, Holy Spirit doesn't leave you. He doesn't show you and then leave you with it. He shows you because he wants to remove it. The second thing that happened when I was preparing um, this message was I saw an image of a beaker. Um, And at the bottom of this beaker, there was mud. And I want you to imagine that there's water being poured in from one side of the beaker. And as you imagine that, when the water hits the bottom of the mud, it starts to kind of break it up and bring it up. And so as the water's being poured in, the water in the beaker kind of gets a bit murky and and a bit discolored. I also want to say that I believe there are people here that that's what Holy Spirit is doing. We've talked a lot about going deeper for asking more of Holy Spirit. And he's like, all right, I'm going to go deeper. And as he's pouring in, he's hitting things we didn't even know were at the bottom that are actually still not, that are causing um, us, stopping us from walking in freedom in our lives. And so he's like, I want to bring that up. And so if that's you and you feel like at the moment, actually, it feels really murky and this is not what I expected. Holy Spirit, is this you? I just want to say that it is. It's okay that it's a bit messy. It's okay that it doesn't really feel in control. Holy Spirit is trustworthy. And again, the invitation is to stay with him because as you imagine, if you keep pouring water into that side, eventually it's going to push that all out to the other side. Just felt prompted to share those two images. And the invitation, as I said, is to trust this process, to trust Holy Spirit, because what he's doing is deep and foundational and requires us to remain with him. I want to look at the two different ways which we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we find them in the New Testament. The first one is the inward work of the Spirit, which is what I've just been talking about. And there's this sense um, in the Greek, it talks about it, the Greek word, sorry, used, talk about it as a growing state, something that you keep developing in. It's a... um, These phrases are linked to mature believers in the New Testament, like Stephen and Barnabas. Um, If you look at their lives, people that are really very much follow the Holy Spirit with all of their lives. It's also, as it says up on the table there, um, where the fruit of the Spirit comes, love, joy, patience, etc. And the thing is, with the fruit of the Spirit, you often don't recognize it in yourself. It just comes out of you. Um, and I've shared this before, and some of you might be a bit young, I don't know, but do you remember getting the What Would Jesus Do bands? Yeah? What colours did you guys have? Rainbow. Rainbow, yes. Purple, nice, yeah. Anyway, I had a rainbow one. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're allowing him to shape and form you, you don't have to ask the question, what would Jesus do? You actually just behave that way. So you respond to anger in love or you show mercy, or compassion, or joy, or patience. They're the fruit of the Spirit. That's what happens when you ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's this inward work that he does. And that's what Jesus refers to when he talks about the fruit that lasts in John 14, 15. Sorry. 
And I also just want to say that that is just as significant as anything else that you do with Holy Spirit or that Holy Spirit does. The kingdom comes in those spaces and in those moments where you show love. That's just as significant. The second way the New Testament talks about it is the outward work or feeling of the Holy Spirit. And the Greek term used there, the Greek verb used there, refers to a feeling as a temporary experience. So you see this actually throughout the Old Testament when Holy Spirit came upon people. You actually see it in the New Testament with people like Elizabeth and Peter when the Holy Spirit floods them and they are moved um, to do um, different things throughout the New Testament. Um, it's where the gifts of the Spirit come when you're filled with the Holy Spirit in this way. And yeah, it's this sense of the like, power and the Spirit upon you. I just want to say a couple of things into this. Firstly, you don't have to be perfect for this to happen. Um, even if you read throughout Scripture, the people that were filled with the Holy Spirit didn't have everything together, but there was an openness to the Spirit. Because of what Jesus has done, we can be filled with the Spirit in this way, and we can actually witness incredible things happening. The other thing that I want to say is something I was reflecting on. When we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, we often say, I have the gift of prophecy, or the gift of evangelism, or administration, or whatever it is. But actually what I feel like for me and what I want to invite you into is to think about it as I release the gift. Because it's actually Holy Spirit that does it. But he invites you to be the one who releases it. So I release the gift of prophecy. Or I release the gift of evangelism. That's what it looks like when you're filled with Holy Spirit. That's the outward work. Kenneth Barr talks about the fact that we need both. He says, a healthy, spirit-filled spirituality requires both kinds of filling. It involves grounding in biblical truth and sound doctrine, so knowing, growing in character and personal experience with God, being, and developing gifts and skills in the service of others, doing. Knowing, being, and doing. This is how we're designed to be in relationship with Holy Spirit and to partner with him. Sometimes it's really helpful to make it super simple when we're talking about Holy Spirit. So I hope that helps you. But when we talk about this, being filled with the Spirit, the inner work, the outward work, the gifts, everything that comes with it, essentially what it always comes down to is actually that growing relationship with Father, Son, and Spirit. That's what it's all about. As I was preparing for this message, I was listening to a couple of messages from um, Bridgetown Church, um, in the US, and they had Alan Scott out, who's a vineyard pastor, incredible guy. He um, is full of the Spirit and follows Holy Spirit. Even as he's speaking, it's really cool. He's like, oh, hold on, Holy Spirit's saying something. It's great. I love it. It was really powerful to listen to him. He also has many stories about healing, and I really like what he talked about and what he said in one of the podcasts. He said that we don't heal the sick so we can move in power or be seen to be doing great exploits, as fun as those are. We heal the sick because we long for people to encounter Jesus. We long for them to know him in his kindness, in his goodness. We long to make him visible to them. From the reading that I've done, from the research, from my own experience, for what you witness in the New Testament, whenever people are healed in the New Testament, it's always about faith. I encourage you to go and look it up. The people around the person that got healed have more faith or grow in their faith. The, people that is, the person that is healed grows in their relationship and faith with God. It's always about relationship with God. The healing is important, of course, and spirit brings that and does that. 
But at the heart of it, it's about coming back to the Father. And so what we're doing this evening, as we're asking to be filled with Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean that he isn't actually already at work in your lives. I know he is. He's at work in my life as well. But prayer, when we ask him, when we pray, it opens us up to more because we serve a relational God and we're relational beings. And our prayer to be filled with Holy Spirit is actually a biblical one. We're told to. In Ephesians 5, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in Colossians 1, 9 to 2, 9 to 12, Paul encourages us to pray and ask for Holy Spirit time and again and again. And in Romans 8, we're asked to walk by the Spirit. If you listen to all of those phrasing phrases, they're all active. It's all something that we participate in and that we do. And this more series that we've been doing actually sits in the biggest series of our year, which is More Than Me, which is the tagline that grows with the name of Red Church. And actually, what we're doing in this series, what we're beginning to uncover, is actually asking for more of Holy Spirit, not just for us, but actually for our city. When Holy Spirit comes, he's not interested just in giving you an emotional encounter or it being this really wonderful moment, although those happen, and they're good. The goal of Holy Spirit is actually for changed lives, which lead to changed cities. That's what he's up to. He's asking us to become people that will ask for more. We're just at the beginnings of this, as he's doing his deep work, but it's really good to remember that it's actually for something bigger. That's what he's after, the city, for more people to come home. As sons and daughters of the king, we get to live in the overflow of Holy Spirit. We don't have to fight for it. And the nature of the work, his kingdom work, that we're invited into to follow Jesus, it actually requires us to be spirit-filled. We can't do it without him. I want to finish with this quote by Baxter Kruger, who I feel like encompasses everything we've just talked about. The hope of the world, the hope of your life and mine, is that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption, the spirit of truth, the spirit of the eternal purpose of the Father and Son, and that he has an everlasting passion that we experience the great dance. He's talking about being in the Trinity in that relationship. Therefore, he comes to us to invade our confusion, our legends, our inventions, to lead us to proper believing, to train us to see through the darkness. He comes to teach us how to detect the whispering lie, how to discern good and evil, how to stand up to I am not and speak yes, I am back to it, and how to walk and live in this freedom. He comes to lead us to discover the truth, to acknowledge it, and to reckon on it. That's what Holy Spirit does. If you think back over all those videos, all those stories, you can hear it in this um, quote. The people that have been able to see through the darkness, to expose lies, to walk in truth, to understand more of what God's up to. So, we've talked about it. Now it's time to get practical. So I want to ask you uh, two things. The first one is um, when you win the day, when you spend time with God in the morning, if you have not heard that phrase before here at Red, win the day, is what we talk about when we say getting up and claiming the day for God, 
praying, reading your Bible, spending time with him, whatever that looks like. I want to encourage you in the mornings or whatever time of day you do that to not just read the Bible and pray, keep doing that, it's good, but to also ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Before you leave his presence, real simple prayer, Holy Spirit, fill me. And then watch what he does. Be alert throughout the day because he'll answer at any point. So I encourage you to do that. The more you spend time with the Holy Spirit, the more you begin to recognize him. The second one is that right now we're going to have an opportunity to ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you're going to have space to come forward down the front and have someone pray for you. And if you've already experienced Holy Spirit, you're welcome to more. It doesn't stop there. Or maybe you're here tonight and you haven't actually even met Jesus, but you're hungry to know that or you want to hear more about it. You're welcome to come forward too. We'd love to introduce you to Jesus. As we've been going through this series, our um, pastor from the Outer East, Pete, talked about the fact that there might be a thief of this series and the one thing that would try and stop what Holy Spirit wants to do. And that thief would be comparison. So as we come forward and as we ask to be filled with Holy Spirit, as we invite him to do what he wants to right now, let's not compare with one another because we're designed to be unique, to actually hear from him the way he's designed you to hear from him. And so it may be different for each of you. Some of you, it might just feel like this deep peace. Others, it may be a joy. Others, it may be a revelation of one of those roots that he wants to look at. Or maybe you just need prayer while you're in the murky waters of that beaker, not sure what's going on. Or maybe you just want to come forward and you're just like, Father and Jesus, I just want to spend time with you. I miss that. Please breathe upon me again so that I may be filled with your spirit. I want you to remember what Bjorn said last week, that sometimes walking in the spirit is a risk. And so when you come forward, it may feel like that. But I also want you to remember that you already know him. He's already speaking to you because he told you about Jesus. And so you can be confident that he's going to fill you and tell you more. So let's spend time responding to him. The final thing I want to say is that even if it's just a little bit of what you believe, that's enough for Holy Spirit. You don't have to work out how to bring everything. Just come forward with what you have and let him have that and blow upon that and ignite that. So let's spend time with Holy Spirit. Come forward as you feel led to, and we'd love to pray for you.